the other day, I saw a picture of a guy that we went to school with that I've lost track of. He used to be a friend of mine. We went to high school and college together. And uh, he, my friend had called me and he said, Well, this guy, he's back in church, but for a lot of years, he was really uh, drinking a lot, really in alcohol. I didn't know. And, and, you know, I thought about, I didn't grow up in the church. I think I've told you guys. and um, Actually, I was running around just by the grace of God. I got saved just before I got myself in so much trouble, I have to dig out of it forever, you know, hanging around. Well, I told you one of the guys I was close to I hung around with ended up a drug addict. A uh, friend shot him up and left him for dead. He ended up in a nursing home the last five or six years of his life. This was later on, but had a, another friend. Uh, ended up starting a family a lot earlier than he would have liked. The wrong place, doing the wrong stuff. Um, another close friend of mine, he's a bad alcoholic, has a farm out towards Mars Hill. I could probably go on with a few others, and I'm not alone. Why, why do I even say all this? The world's looking for peace. Jesus says, peace I leave you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. When people are looking for peace, they look in places. They may look in people, or they may look in you know, having certain things. But there's only one place where there's lasting peace. And that's in Jesus. That's why he's able to say, don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Do we get afraid? Oh, yeah. Do we feel troubled? Yep, you bet. But Jesus has told us and we can rely on him. He's the place to go for peace. I thought of this as I shared that verse uh, Let's see if there's any testimonies out there. How about a verse? A verse that God's spoken to your heart and and uh, why it's ministered to you. You know, I, I shared that. I, it's probably by no accident this friend of mine sent me that verse after we were talking about this friend struggling with peace. Anybody have a verse and a quick word of testimony before we move on? Yeah. Yes, good. That's a beautiful verse. Anyone else before we move on? No arm twisting, just giving you a chance. Well, turn with me, finishing up tonight in a, a psalm that's very familiar to us church folk, Psalm 23. And, you know, typically the psalm is at funerals. But really the song is more about living than it is dying. 
It is about knowing that no matter where we are in life, we have a shepherd. And we are described through that ancient song as sheep. And sheep are animals that need a shepherd. Or they're just not going to make it. And the truth is, uh, as I mentioned with some of these friends of mine, they don't have peace. And this is something that we ought to be able to share is the peace of Christ. Are we perfect? I'll start laughing, all of us. But he provides a peace that's beyond understanding, transcends all understanding, guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Anyway, Psalm 23, the last two verses, 5 and 6. Oh, I'll say a plug while we're talking about this, by the way. We had met in our um, spiritual growth group, an early plug. We're going to have, hopefully, March 4th, uh, some seminars, different seminars, meeting here at the church on a Saturday morning, and it should be a real blessing. So we're going to be trying to really get the word out uh, and try to get as many involved as we can that morning on Saturday. I think it would be a real blessing for us, but... Okay, stand up. Jerry's right there. He's up. (laughs) Just stay there. Psalm 23, 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that we're going to be with you forever. And uh, thank you for being with us now, Lord. And uh, just as we take a little time to look at this wonderful word from you, God, just speak to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. G. Campbell Morgan, who was a famous preacher at the early 1900s, he wrote these words about the Psalms, I think, which is really good. He he said, The book of Psalms is the book in which the emotions of the human soul find expression. Whatever your mood, and I suppose you have changing moods as well as I do, you can find a psalm to express it. Are you glad? Find a psalm to help you sing. Sad? Find a psalm that will suit that occasion too. The psalms range over the whole gamut of human emotions, but in every one of these songs, whether in a major or minor key, the singer is conscious of God. That's one thing I love about the psalms. The psalms are honest. If you're looking for an emotion, you can find it in the psalms. And and think about what we've covered already in Psalm 23. Um, the Lord is my shepherd. There is that feeling of confidence he's with me. Um, I shall not want. He takes care of me. And then you go down, you know, he guides, he, he leads, he, he brings satisfaction, but he's also there when our enemies are looking at us. Even through the deep, dark shadows of the valley, he's there. He doesn't abandon us. Matter of fact, he promises to anoint us with oil. 
that our cup will overflow and that there is this feast that we are able to enjoy with him. Uh, that he's going to guide us through, as we talked about, those wagon tracks of righteousness, those ruts of righteousness that we see through Psalm 23. You know, even that first part where he says, I shall not be in want, or I shall not want. Uh, one author wrote this. He said, Come with me to the most populated prison in the world. The facility has more inmates than bunks, more prisoners than plates, more residents and resources. No prison is so populated, no prison so oppressive. Just ask the inmates. They will tell you they're overworked and underfed. The name of the prison, four letters on the front grate, spell it out. W-A-N-T. <laughs> the prison of want. You've seen her prisoners, they're always in want. They want something. Something nicer, something bigger, something faster, something thinner, something better, something newer, something younger. They want it all now. Just one more thing, mind you. Just one new couch, one new car, one new house, one new job, one more dollar, one more trip, one more toy, one more makeover, one more award, one more sale. Then I'll be satisfied. But David says, I'm with my shepherd. I'm satisfied. I shall not be and want. I shall not want. He's what I need. And there is that expression that's given. And so then we come down to verse 5. And he makes another effective truth here. He shares, um, you prepared table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's, it's fascinating is he moves from this valley of deep shadows and overlooking that valley uh, in the Swahili the, uh, and Spanish, the word for tables, mesa, uh, which is described as a high summer range. And so the enemies are above and they're looking down in the valley. But all they can do is look. They can't attack. They, they can't bring trouble as the feast is prepared and as the table is opened, there is rest. And um, God promises that we don't have to hurry. We can take our time. We don't just nibble and run because we're afraid of the enemies that are coming after us. You know, there's wolves out there, but we're not defending ourselves against the wolves. He doesn't say rush the meal, take your time, enjoy it because we're safe. We have the perfect pieces described here of the shepherd protecting the sheep regardless of the danger that surrounds the sheep looking on. Spurgeon uh, wrote these words. The tablecloth is carefully unfolded and the plates of the feast are displayed. As on an ordinary occasion, nothing hurried, no panic or disturbance, nothing rushed. The enemy's at the door, but the Lord prepares the table and the Christian sits down and eats as if everything were in perfect peace. I love that, how there is that confidence of the perfect peace that is available. Um, we'll move on here as he talks about in the text. You anoint my head with oil. 
my cup overflows. And of course, uh, the reason for anointing the head with oil, as Philip Keller writes in his book, Shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm, he talks about these annoying flies, these parasites that buzz around and their favorite landing spot is a sheep's nose and they like to burrow into the nose and drives the sheep crazy, the discomfort. And it's not unusual for a sheep to find something to bang their head against in order to try to find some kind of relief or to uh, painfully rub against in order to find some kind of relief. And these flies, they, they grow in different stages. Not only can they cause discomfort, but uh, they've been known to cause blindness as well. Um, there's a scabbing, which can occur, known as scabies, as a, uh, a microscopic parasite. It causes skin infections. Matter of fact, a... Uh, it's also more than likely what is described of in the Old Testament sacrifices where it says that you have to have a lamb without blemish or defect. It's probably talking about these scabies, this scabbing infestation, to make sure that it is a sheep that's not plagued with this, without blemish. Uh, the good shepherd is the one in those days that helped the sheep in their distress, usually with a homemade ointment of olive oil, sulfur, and other spices, which he rubbed on the afflicted areas to bring relief to the troubled sheep. I mean, even in modern times, you know, they, now they dip a sheep into some kind of parasite-killing liquid, but it's not unusual for the shepherd still to attend to the nose and the face and the ears of the sheep with that healing, caring, personal encounter to relieve the irritation, that personal touch. And, uh, you know, and for us, when it comes to 23rd Psalm, our shepherd wants to touch and heal our sin, what plagues us. Whether it's a sin that we are specifically dealing with or just a sense of inadequacy because we're such failures at times. I mean, we all have those days, don't we? Lord, why do you put up with me? But the shepherd personally forgives and he personally touches. And that's what I love about, you know, as David says, this Lord is my shepherd. He's prepared this feast for me. He takes care of me. He knows my pain. He anoints my head with oil. It's that personal touch, that cleansing touch that I need. He's able to do abundantly beyond what I can even think or imagine by his grace that he has fully lavished upon us. That's his touch. Verse 6 tells us, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I thought it was interesting here because uh, a lot of the translations say goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So I just started looking down through these different translations to see what words were used. Here's a few of them. One of them was unfailing love. Um, another one was uh, unconditional kindness. 
loving kindness. It was a love that uh, that he that he shares, and the word literally means um, fulfilled promises. So I mean, it is a loving kindness that we don't deserve. Because that's what mercy is. Um, yeah, mercy's not getting what you deserve. He has lavished us. He has poured forth continually upon us one blessing after another. Matter of fact, I love that John one seventeen. In the NIV, it's probably just the nineteen seventy eight. They keep changing the translation; it makes it hard for a guy trying to learn it. But it says, "From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after." I love the way that's worded. You see, the grace that we receive, it's its not just occasional or intermittent. It's full. Always full. And we keep receiving blessing after blessing. And God tells us, you know, in another place, He says, do not miss the grace of God. Don't miss it. Those, those blessings as they come. What happens to us, we get cynical and we get down because we miss the blessings. That are around us. But his promises. They're fulfilled promises. That's his goodness and his mercy. And as someone has said. That he'll be with us. And they're like twin sheepdogs that follow us. As the shepherd leads. His goodness. And his mercy. That we can count on. Through the whole journey. That we have a confidence that he will take us through that journey. And how often does he do it? Is it uh, just certain times of our life? No, it's all the days of my life. And even, I love that word by James Dobson where he says, We can trust him even when we can't trace him. Or remember the old footprints poem, you know, or footprints, but, you know, he carried us. That's why you could only see one set of footprints because he carries. He's with us all the days, the good days and the bad days, the days we wish would end and the days we wish would keep on and on and on. He is there all the days of our love. And, and notice this last part here. He says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, it's interesting. He starts out of the shepherd. He begins, and you can't sing the rest of the song if you can't sing the first part of the song. You have to be able to sing, He's my shepherd. Or none of the rest of it makes any sense. And then he ends with it saying, You know, He is guiding me through this life, and I will live with Him throughout all life, all time. And isn't it interesting that it moves from a ship, from a pasture to a house? Moves from some land to a home. And we're not just dwelling in any house, the Lord's house. That's where we'll be. That is the God that we have, and that is the blessings that we enjoy as we're going to be with Him. It's a song not just about dying. It's a song about living. 
and the hope that we have as we live each day. All right. Be a little unusual here. I'll ask to get some feedback from you guys. What do you all think? 23rd Psalm, these last verses of his care, his concern, his watch over us. Any comments? And you know what's awesome? Uh, you can look back. We worry sometimes about what lies ahead. But it's a blessing sometimes just to look back and see where God has rescued you, and been with you. and There have been some times he's rescued me and I didn't deserve it. And we can all share that, obviously. So, you know, that Psalm 27, 14, some, one of those you want to write out sometimes. It says, wait for the Lord. Take heart and wait for the Lord. I don't like waiting. But that's so much a part of... Well, it's faith, right? I mean, waiting builds faith. I guess that's why my face little. I don't like <laughs> But any final words before we close? Well, that's true. Sometimes we have to be on our back before we look up. And, you know, it's always encouraged me that God calls David a man after his own heart. He was a rascal. Have you read his story? But yet, that's not how God saw him. So if you're a rascal, God loves you.
Well, that's a lot of beauty in the psalm. I mean, there's even in this one song, there's a lot of stuff here. Lean on the Lord for what you want. You know, he's going to guide you through his paths of righteousness. He, you know, he's going to take care of you even when the enemies are looking at you. Even when you're hurting, he's going to give his healing touch when it's needed. And he's got his sheep dogs there with you that, uh, you know, goodness and mercy or goodness and love or goodness and kindness. Or, it's all good. Um, so, well, let's pray before we sing. Um, Father, we are grateful that you are personal with us, Lord. I mean, you, you could be distant. You could zap us from afar. Um, you could ignore us. But you have chosen to step down out of the heavens and come as Jesus. Wow. And, uh, we worship you, Lord. And as we sing, um, you know decisions that maybe we need to make. And I just ask that we would be open to those, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Grab a celebration in the...